You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, <laughs> we got that early dance party again. It's going to be a good day. That's how you know. That's how you know. Actually, I don't know that. As I'm doing the intro, I'm literally thinking to myself, what in the world am I talking about today? I, I, I had a question, and then I had something I wanted to talk about. There was something else that I wanted to talk about that I completely forgot that hopefully I remember. But one thing I figured out for sure is that I was not going to be covering another team today because I wanted to do these other things. Well, the question I don't want to get to because I want to spend more time talking about it. There's something else I really want to talk about, but I feel like um, it's not going to take a huge amount of time. But, um, you know, it's not the first time we've sat here and figured it out. And it doesn't matter anyways because DJ Galaxy has spoken. Today will be a great day. And I have just woken the bunny and I feel bad about that. Apparently it's supposed to be negative 5 billion degrees again today, so that means the bunny comes downstairs to sleep. And I apologize, Strawberry. But he's going to get educated, so it's worth it. Plus, stop being lazy. It's 3.30 in the morning. What, what else do you have to do, seriously? Carpe diem and whatnot. All right. Well, first of all, as always, uh, be sure to check the comment section. That's section. Might have sounded like something other than section, but it was section. So, in there, you will find the uh, phone number to call in if you have a question, if you have a comment. If you, well, I don't know why do I keep saying that? Why? Why? I don't want your comments. Do not call me or text me with comments. It's a very specific phone number, and I refuse to acknowledge that for some reason. Questions or what grinds my gears, which is my way of calling the segment that really isn't what grinds my gears, but it's just more or less something that you had to a comment on the Packers, not the, not the, uh, not, not, not me as a person or the show or about life, a thought that if you had a podcast yourself, but let's just say you're more of a one thought person than a, I can't turn this thing off kind of person like I am. There you go. You got a phone number. You got yourself a, a one-shot podcast, boom, one thought that's been just dug in in your brain and it's driving you crazy. Call the number. Lay it out there. We'll talk about it. The number six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight. There's also a link to the Facebook group, the Packernet Facebook page, NFLBigBoard.com, all kinds of goodies. Don't don't stare at me, bunny. You want to get crazy right now? Yeah, just wash your face. Yeah, just keep eyeballing me, see what happens. Looking at me crazy because I woke you up. 
You're in my house, rabbit. Anywho, the first thing I wanted to bring up, and it's, it's actually very weird because I had never even heard of this until like literally two days ago, and it was just something that I assumed had been out there since forever. Uh, there's all kinds of football leagues out there. I don't know what they are. I don't care. Um, whatever. But I kept hearing about it, and I kept hearing about it, and people kept talking about it. And I was like, "What? why is this like a thing? Well, it turns out there's a new one starting. Now, I knew about two leagues that were starting, and neither of them seemed very interesting to me. One kind of had a weird little cool twist that I thought was kind of cool and maybe would get some traction, but I, I just kind of soured on it. But there's that one, maybe it started, maybe it didn't, I don't know, but it's it's the thing where essentially the players call the plays. But I think you have to like pay, and then you get to call a play, and then they run the play, so it's kind of like Madden, but it's not really going to work because... Like, I can't play the game. I'm I'm one of several thousand people, and maybe I get to call a play, and then I, you know, I just, eh. I think it's a really cool concept, but I just, I don't know. I think that would be cooler if you had, like, billionaires that could just call plays. Like, you know, if I could just pay for my own league, and then, like, me and my friends, I think that would be sweet. However, that's kind of like the NFL, I guess. Except the owners aren't really coaches, but, you know, if I was an owner, that's what I would do. In fact, if I ever become a billionaire, that's probably exactly what I'll do. I will buy a football team, one that is complete garbage and nobody really cares about, and I will go up in the booth and I will tell somebody that I want there to be like a Madden thing set up and I'm going to pick a play and then that's going to get, you know, somebody's going to see me pick a play, they're going to call it down to the coach, the coach is going to call it, they're going to run it. It's going to be awesome. And it's only going to be awesome for me, but I really don't care because I'm a billionaire and I'm going to do whatever I want. I mean, I'd let you come hang out in the booth and maybe suggest something, but if you get a little lippy with me and start talking about that was a bad play, you can just get out of my booth and put that hot dog down. Get out. I don't need your negativity. However, there's that one. Then there's the XFL, and I just don't see any way in which that's going to work. I, I just... I, I, here's kind of the the main thing, and it's part of the reason why I'm kind of not sure about anything ever working, but I've got a little bit of a twist on the one I'm about to talk about. The problem is I don't even know if I like football. I really don't know. All I am is ever annoyed with football. I don't like the rules. I don't like the refs. I don't like the the sideshow. I don't like the way it's run. I don't like anything about it. However, I'm just kind of an addict. I was born and raised a Packer fan, and it's just in my DNA. I like the green and gold. Right? I love watching that team. Whoever's in the uniform, I really like that team, and I like all this different stuff. And there are certain aspects of the NFL that I kind of get immersed in, but it's just, it's like a part of who I am. You know, you grow up with these teams and these names and the, all this, it just, it's already in there. Trying to accept a different league, and it, even if it's, even if they fixed every problem that I like or dislike with the NFL, it's like, yeah, but it, that's, why would I try to root for I will never be able to root for another team like the Packers. Because I didn't grow up since I was a kid watching Brett Favre and Reggie White and Sterling Sharp and blah, 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 blah. I didn't grow up wearing like a, you know, Alabama Muskrats uniform when I was a kid and get, get Packers attire every single Christmas and birthday since I was born since forever. I didn't sit in front of a, you know, tube TV watching 7,000 rounds of the draft thinking it's really boring, but it's something to do, and sometimes they talk about the Packers, and that's kind of cool. 
So I just, as much as I would like another league to start working because it puts pressure on the NFL to start, you know, caring a little bit more about something other than money, because Roger Goodell is very, very good at making money, but I feel like he has the attention of a bunch of people that are just football addicts. We, people like me and probably a lot of the people watching this, listening to this podcast, have all kinds of gripes about the NFL, but we can't imagine a world in which there's no NFL. That's because we're addicts. We would love to be able to walk away just to prove a point and be like, you know what, if you're not going to fix all this stuff, I'm not going to watch you anymore. I don't like the way you run things. I don't like the way you handle scandals. I don't like the way that you do this. I don't like these rules. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Goodbye. Call me when you fix. I can't, though. I literally have like a countdown in my head as soon as the Super Bowl is over for when the, the draft starts. And then once the draft is over, things get really bad because nothing happens. Literally nothing. Until like OTAs. And then they come in and there's like no news anywhere. But we, we anything we hear, like so-and-so, so-and-so showed up with a limp. That's like 24-hour wall-to-wall coverage of this guy limping. Because we're so desperate. So for that reason, I'm skeptical of a competing league. However, tomorrow, there is a debut of a new football league. It is the AAF, the Alliance of American Football League. And there's a couple things they're doing that that are, I guess, kind of cool. They're very, very fan-centric. They've removed things like the kickoff, which seems kind of dumb. When I first heard it, it's like, no, I, I, I kind of like that, except... It's, it's being ruined, and if we're kind of just accepting the fact that we can't accept the injuries, then, yeah, I guess just get rid of it, because, I mean, if you're not going to do it right, like in the old days, where you had to kick it real far, and kicking it into the end zone was difficult, and there's a lot of kick returns and all this stuff, fine, just get rid of it. Um, it sounds like there's going to be very, very little, like 60% less commercials, which is awesome. Um, because there's no kickoffs, I guess there's like uh, the one way that you get an onside kick In other words, we scored and we want to keep the ball. They put your ball on your own 35-yard line, and you have one chance to get 10 yards. There's no extra point. There's only two-point conversions. So basically, as much as the NFL is offensively minded, it's not even close to what the AAF is going to be. If you think about it, right? I mean, (laughs) if you want an extra point, you need offense. If you want an onside kick recovery, you don't need special teams. You need better offense. Um, I guess they're going to have a an app, I believe, that streams all the games, which is awesome. So they're not going to have these ridiculous contracts with cable companies so that you have to, you know, buy cable subscriptions to watch football games. They've done away with that. The app is going to integrate fantasy football right in it. And beyond that, the, the, aside from some of the cool aspects of it, I think the biggest reason that it has the potential to, I don't know about work, but kind of coincide you know work with instead of work against right the xfl is going to work against it and try to compete and i don't think that's right i don't think the aaf is going to compete with the nfl i think they're going to work with in the same way that college football works with by being sort of a uh like a minor league so on one hand you've got some of the older guys you know that that maybe can't make it in the nfl so kind of like the canadian league right you can't hack it so you go over there so there's that aspect of it but it also does not have the three years out of high school rule. So you can have college football. So let me give you an This is how I first heard about the AAF, and I I thought it was really weird and and not very smart. But 
Trevor Lawrence, the biggest name in college football, at this point guaranteed to be like a 2021 number one overall pick, one of the biggest college quarterback names in quite a long time. Apparently Tom Brady's agent wants to sign Trevor Lawrence as an agent and get him to go play in the AAF as a developmental league. In other words, get out of college, go into the AAF, and then you can get drafted out of the AAF instead of in college. But even if it's not that, even if it's guys that maybe don't get drafted, you can go into the AAF. In other words, and and the other cool thing about it, you've got some guys that leave college too early, right? We keep hearing about this, and it's sort of a devastating thing because you have so many guys saying, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go into the NFL. Well, they leave, they don't get their degree, they don't get drafted, they don't get into the NFL. Now you don't have a career and you don't have a degree. Well, here's one of the things that they say that they provide. The Alliance will provide players a uh, comprehensive bonus system, post-football career planning, as well as counseling and scholarship support for post-secondary education. So it's it's it allows guys like Trevor Lawrence to step away from college football, which I still don't know if that's really a good idea. I haven't really heard why that would be a good benefit for Trevor Lawrence, but I'm interested by it. Because if that's another venue, you could see that. I mean, that that's going to change a lot of things. If this is a viable option, if, if it turns out... Because, listen, these are, these are NFL head coaches. These are NFL quarterbacks. These are NFL football players. If you want to prepare for the NFL, what's going to be better? Clemson or the AAF? I, again, I don't know that it's the right decision, but I find it interesting. But you, you essentially have this sort of developmental league that guys from here can go somewhere else. So it, it could completely transform college football where you have very capable high-end guys from college leaving, which would be pretty devastating for college football, but it adds a, a different dynamic. Then it becomes an issue of, well, how do these guys go from the AAF to the NFL? What is the... What is the yeah. The, the positives and the negatives, it adds to the NFL draft experience because instead of just ranking and looking at college football players, you have AAF players, but you have AAF players that have never been in the NFL that are maybe like number one overall guys, but maybe you also have guys that maybe didn't quite hack it in the NFL, whether it's because they left college but didn't get drafted, but then go to the AAF and develop and now they want to become drafted. Or you have guys that maybe were drafted already, didn't quite hack it, went into the AAF and get signed again. So they're able to get back into. So if you if you were never in the draft, you can maybe become drafted because you can only do that once. So th- there's just a lot of different facets. And then you got, you know, again, some of the guys that probably are never going to go back into the NFL, but they don't want to give up on football. So you end up with guys in the AAF that are recognizable. Just to give you an example of some of the players. So one, one of the problems is it's only eight teams, and I don't like that. I think it's hard to compete with a 32-team NFL when you only have eight teams, but I'm sure it'll expand over some time. So um, apparently, and I'm upset I missed it, they had a quarterback draft. Again, I, I don't know exactly how this works, but here are some recognizable names that are on some of these teams. So with the Arizona Hotshots, they have coach Rick Neuheisel, which is a somewhat recognizable coach, and their quarterback is Trevor Knight. Now, Trevor Knight was a relatively... I don't want to say big name in college, but you know he's one of those highly athletic guys. Apparently, he ran faster than Alvin Kamara in the draft or at the combine. He did end up get signed, getting signed as a free agent for Arizona, but it didn't really pan out. So now, having not worked out for the Arizona Cardinals, he's playing now for the Arizona Hotshots. So you've got this guy that's incredibly athletic, Texas A&M quarterback, 
playing for the Arizona Hotshots, the Atlanta Legends, a number the second team. They have coach Brad Childress. The guy's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, he actually was uh, Badgers offensive coordinator for a while. Uh, he worked with the Philadelphia Eagles, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings is probably where a lot of us would know him from. Um, Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, and then finally in 2018, this past year, he was an offensive analyst for the Chicago Bears. So very recognizable name. He is now the head coach of the Atlanta Legends. Some of the people on that team, you've got quarterback Aaron Murray. I think he was a fourth-round draft pick uh, coming out of Georgia. Spent time with the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Rams, and now is with the Atlanta Legends. They also have quarterback Matt Sims. Sims is a quarterback for the Jets, the Bills, the Falcons. He goes over to the Memphis Express. Now he's playing for the Atlanta Legends. It's kind of weird. 2018 Memphis. I thought I had a panic attack. Like, wait a minute. Is this the second year of its existence? I thought it was starting this year. I don't, I don't understand that. Maybe he got drafted in 2018 by the Memphis Express and was traded already. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, it says he signed with the Memphis Express in 2018. And on November 27th, he was selected in the second round by the Atlanta Legends. So... Again, got to learn how this stuff works. I don't know how that... <laughs> be like Nick Foles signing with the Jaguars and then the Giants draft him. Like, nope, we just drafted him. You're ours now. Like, okay. Darn. Anyways, another recognizable name is uh, wide receiver Stephen Hill. Not super recognizable. He's been out of the NFL since 2015, but he was with the Jets for a couple of years, with the Panthers for a couple of years. Now he's uh, trying to revamp some stuff with the Atlanta Legends. Uh, Birmingham Iron, they've got a couple actually relatively big names. So if you didn't know any of those guys, quarterback Blake Sims, no relation to Matt Sims, different spelling of Sims. Sims has been trying for some time, so he uh, played at Alabama, goes right into Toronto Argonauts, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the uh, Wollongong Devils, okay. Then he makes it into the NFL, Atlanta Falcons, goes to Tampa Bay, and now he's back to the Birmingham Iron. So he's trying to get into the NFL. We'll see what he can do here. But some of the bigger, more recognizable names, Mr. Scott Tolzien is going to be a quarterback for Birmingham Iron. I'm trying to figure out what team I like. I'm leaning toward Orlando because if this ever becomes big and I want an excuse to go see them, then I end up going to Florida. And if you haven't noticed listening to this podcast, I'm a fan of the state of Florida. It's just the vacation state. How do you not like the vacation state? It's, it's not good for anything other than vacations. I would never want to live there. But how do you not like the vacation state? It's basically like the tro- the tropics that forgot to break away. It's just it's stuck on the on the country, and it's like haha, we have we have a Caribbean stuck on our state. But in addition to Mr. Scott Tolzien, somebody Packer fans should know, they have running back Trent Richardson, one of the most heralded guys in that entire draft. Supposed to be a complete freak. You all know the story. Didn't ever really work out, but the resurgence of Trent Richardson has begun. They also have Ja'Cory Shepard as a cornerback. I don't know who that is, but kicker Nick Novak. Another big name that everybody should know. The guy was in the NFL forever. The Memphis Express have coach Mike Singletary. So Mike, obviously a legend as a Chicago Bear, was a linebacker's coach for the Ravens, uh, linebacker's coach for the 49ers, interim head coach for the 49ers, head coach for the 49ers, special assistant to the head coach, linebacker's coach for the Vikings, defensive assistant for the Rams, and he has been out since that time in 2016, but he's back as a head coach for the Memphis Express. Something tells me, however, defensive-minded coaches are going to have an even harder time in the AAF than the the NFL, but uh, that remains to be seen, I guess. The other thing is, 
I, I heard that there was a preseason. I don't know when this took place or whatever, but I heard some of the scores and it was completely lopsided. I think that's just sort of how this is going to work. The NFL tends to be a little bit closer. Like there's not college scores. There's not like 3 to 45. That's kind of what some of these scores were. I think that's what happens because you haven't had that sort of parity situation yet. You essentially just have guys getting split up and drafted, and you don't really know who's good and who's not, and you're kind of just taking swings, and sometimes you're going to end up with teams that are way more stacked than some other teams. But I would expect that would kind of level out over time, hopefully sooner than later, because if people see complete blowouts and there's only eight teams, it's not going to last very long, and I kind of want it to. In addition to Mike Singletary with the Memphis Express, quarterback Christian Hackenberg, quarterback Zach Mettenberger, which I'll be completely honest, I kind of thought they were the same guy, and I'm sure in my brain I interchange them quite frequently. When I hear Christian Hackenberg, I'm probably just thinking of Zach Mettenberg and vice versa. Uh, Wide receiver Chris Givens, I do remember him. Relatively high draft pick for the uh, St. Louis Rams. I don't know how I remember him. He must have played, I don't know. Maybe I had him in fantasy football or something. He played for the Rams 2012 to 2015, uh, finished the year in Baltimore, went to the Eagles, and then has been out since 2016. The Orlando Apollos, my de facto team at this particular point in time, we'll see how it goes, but their coach is Steve Spurrier. He's a relatively big name uh, college coach guy, going all the way back, man, to 1978. Got his first uh, head coaching job with the Tampa Bay Bandits in 1983 then moves on to Duke, then moves on to Florida, goes to the Washington Redskins for a little bit, then goes back to college, South Carolina from 2005 to 2015, and now is the head coach of the Orlando Apollos. They've got Garrett Gilbert at quarterback, Stephen Morris at quarterback, wide receiver Frankie Hammond, defensive back Will Hill. I'm sure they have a lot more players than this. These are just guys that are somewhat recognizable that were in the NFL before. I am going to look a little bit more into this to see if any college players were recruited and try to figure out how exactly that's supposed to all work out. Because, listen, big part of the reason, again, that I'm bringing this up is because it is going to impact not just college football potentially, but very much so the NFL. If it is meant to be... and it, So it's meant to be a complement to the NFL, not a competition. So the reason it's starting in February 9th, the reason it's starting tomorrow, is because it's after the Super Bowl, and I believe it ends in and around or slightly before the draft. So the last game of Week 10, and they do have playoffs after that, but the the Week 10 matchup, which is the final regular season week, is April 14th. The draft is April 25th. So I I tend to think that that's on purpose as well. You have some teams that are, I don't know, are they going to have the Super Bowl and everything finished by then? I can't imagine they will. But I do think that's on purpose. If it's meant to be a developmental league to some degree, you want guys to be somewhat draft eligible. Obviously, a lot of these guys are not draft eligible, but if there are some people, you want to make sure they have the opportunity to get drafted. But it's it's football in a dead period. I kind of wish that this was after the draft instead of before the draft, but I could see how that would throw a wrench in some things, but that's more of a dead period. But we got football anyways. But again, this adds to the whole dynamic of the offseason, right? You've got free agency. Are some guys in free agency going to get picked up from this league? Are you got the draft? Are some guys going to get drafted from this league? Do you add them to your big board? Like in, in the first round, are you going to have a bunch of college teams, and then at 14, you've got you know somebody from the Salt Lake Stallions on there? I don't know. Uh, speaking of the Salt Lake Stallions, the next team, Dennis Erickson is the coach, uh, quarterback B.J. Daniels, quarterback Garrett Grayson, and running back, Mr. Matt Asiata. Yeah, that guy. Uh, the San Antonio uh, commanders. Mike Riley is the coach. A couple of notable running backs, David Cobb and Daryl Richardson. 
Finally, the San Diego Fleet coaches Mike Martz, a guy that a lot of people will know. Quarterback Josh Johnson. Running back Bishop Stanky. That's Sankey, but I mean, don't act like you didn't call him that. So it'll be interesting. Um, I don't exactly expect tomorrow to be the greatest day in football history. I think it's maybe going to be anticlimactic, not super exciting when you don't have a rooting interest. But again, the reason I want to focus on this is because I think that very potentially with the strategy to work with the NFL, not against the NFL, with agents already trying to get guys like Trevor Lawrence into the AAF um, to work as sort of a developmental league, I just think that they structured this intelligently so that it kind of has to work. And people like me that aren't willing to look at this and are going to stick my nose up the way that I do with the XFL are going to have to rewire our way of thinking. Because unless the XFL tries to work with the NFL as opposed to comp- compete with the NFL, which clearly they're going to do, I don't think it's going to work. So um, apparently CBS is going to broadcast one game each week through the season. So there's only four games a week because there's only eight teams. Nobody gets a bye week. So it's 10 weeks, no buys, eight teams play for all 10 weeks. And we'll see how it goes. Maybe this was a waste of time talking about this, but I just, I, you know, I don't think so. I think it's it's going to have a little bit more of an impact than some of these other leagues like the whatever, I don't even know, Canadian League and all these other leagues. Because I think it's, it's, it's built to work. It's looking actually at all the problems. Not just like the XFL saying, well, people don't like these rules and these controversies. We're going to make that all go away. But actually looking at that, focusing on fan experience, and then thirdly, working with the NFL as opposed to against the NFL, which I think is the biggest component in making this whole thing work because you're just not going to take Goliath out. And they're, they're essentially relegating themselves beneath the NFL knowing they'll never be the NFL. And that's... That's the best thing that you can do. So anyways, going to be keeping an eye on that. Oh, you know what? I lied. I'm dumb. Trevor Lawrence isn't going to the AAF. They're wanting him to go to the Pacific Pro Football League. So scratch that. But still, you got the other stuff. So I guess that's another one. To, I've never heard of that one either. So there's, there's a lot of different things cropping up. We're going to have to sift through it. The XFL, Pacific Pro Football League, AAF. Because if any of them do stick, it's going to impact the NFL potentially college football. Um, If they don't, and if they end up just being like the Canadian Football League and have no impact, then essentially it's just a place for old guys that can't hack it to go somewhere else, then, um, you know, it'll it'll have a market, but not a very good one, and I'm probably not going to be very interested in it. Nor will most people. But anyways, I'm going to be watching that tomorrow. If anybody has some suggestions on which team would be the favorite. Obviously, there's the team with Scott Tolzien, and then there's Orlando, and I don't really have a whole lot of other rooting interests. And again, if nothing else, they've positioned themselves to be during one of the dead periods, which I think is smart, because then I get to watch football when there's no football on. So I really hope it's kind of cool, because I, <laughs> I need football. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the next thing is, um, I guess... Well, let me start from the beginning, I guess, because now I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to handle this. The question that I had answered yesterday through the text message, um, I actually just realized I didn't entirely, I think I answered the most important part, but I left one part out. Let me reread it for you. I saw a mock draft that took Elijah Holyfield with the 30th pick. I know nothing about the kid, but is this a good pick? Then he goes on to say, I think if Deontay Thompson is available and the Packers have to, uh, to take him over a running back right. So I didn't address, is Elijah Holyfield a good pick? I kind of did, but not really. So that kind of got me thinking again, okay, well, that would mean I'd have to readdress the situation with running back, which means I would have to readdress the issue of Aaron Jones and his injuries. And that kind of got me reminded of the fact that somebody reached out yesterday in the Facebook group and pointed out, you know, you you talk a lot about Kevin King getting injured all the time, but you don't really ever seem to want to talk about Jake Ryan. You seem to like him, yet he's injured all the time too. First of all, just to address that point, just in case anybody else is saying, yeah, what about that? Um... Kevin King, as I told him, does have more upside. There's no question about that. However, Jake Ryan has been a better football player than Kevin King, and it's not close. And to the degree of injury, um, Jake Ryan was out the entire year this year. As far as injury history, however, he played 15 games in 2017, 14 in 2016, 14 in 2015. Kevin King played six games in 2018, nine games in 2017. He's played 15 games in two years. Jake Ryan played 15 games in 2017. So the injuries are not even comparable, right? Lots of guys get put on IR for the year. If you look at, uh, I mean, you got Michael Clark, you got Trevor Davis, you got uh, Devon House. Uh, Kevin King was half the year. Jake Kummerow was more than half the year. Cole Madison was out the whole year. Kyle Murphy was out the whole year. Jake Ryan was out the whole year. Muhammad Wilkerson was out almost the whole year. As far as half years, Nick Perry was half a year. Kevin King was half a year. Raven Green was half a year. Mike Daniels was half a year. Uh, Kenny Clark, uh, Trey Carson, Ibrahim Campbell, not quite half a year, but pretty close. Geronimo, most of the year. Byron Bell, half the year. So there's, I, I don't really think Jake Ryan is uniquely injured. I mean, he, he's maybe not super healthy, but we're, we're talking about different things when we get a guy that's out, you know, like a game or two every year compared to a guy that cannot stay on the field for more than half the year. Aaron Jones, I suppose, is somewhere in between. He's played 12 games for both years, 2017 and 2018. Now, also remember, he was suspended for a couple games, so it's kind of like 14-ish, but although you can't really give him those because who knows how his health would have held up if he played two additional games, but I suppose that is worth noting. But I do think it's kind of an important question to bring up as far as what role does injury play in things like free agency. 
For example, Brian Balaga put up a heck of a show playing 14 games. That's pretty awesome. 2017, 5 games. 2016 was awesome. 16 games. Before that, 12 games. Before that, 15. Before that, 9. Before that, 12. And before that, in 2010, his rookie year, he played 16. Only started 12, but he played in 16. So, 16 games twice in his career. Then two other seasons with mediocre, you know, 15 to 14 games. Otherwise, in 2011, he played 12, 2012 he played 9, 2017 5. And for me, that's the biggest issue with Balaga himself. It's not the talent, it's the fact that you can't count on him to be there. At some point, similar to Nick Perry, similar to Clay Matthews, similar to Aaron Jones, similar to Kevin King, there are just some guys you can't count on for 16 games. So that brings us back to the other question. The question that's kind of been nagging at me that I don't have an answer to, um, and that is, what do we do with Aaron Jones? Now, I don't mean what do we do with him like trade him. I've heard some people say that. I'm not suggesting that. But we have to assume that this is not just a fluke, especially since each of these injuries kind of take a toll. I mean, back in college, a dislocated ankle, that takes a toll on you. He missed all of 2015 at UTEP because of it. Then he gets an MCL sprain. That's a, that's a knee issue. That's not good. That was his rookie year. Then in the, the preseason, he has a hamstring injury and is out for a good portion of the preseason. And now the, to end the season this year, it's another knee injury. So bad ankle injury, two knee injuries, hamstring issues, and then we're talking about bringing in LaFleur and running the ball more? <sighs> that, that's my... And I, I, listen, I, I would love to hear some opinions because I don't have an opinion. Usually I'm a pretty opinionated person. I don't know what to do. On one hand, taking a running back at 30 doesn't seem all that crazy if it's a good value. I know you can get really good running backs late in the draft, which is why it seems like, well, you know, you don't need to take early round guys because you can take late round guys, but the hit, the hit rate isn't as good as you might think. Nobody talks about all the misses in the 4th and 5th and 6th and 7th round. We just see one really big hit in the, the mid-rounds, and it's like, oh, look at you, thinking you're so smart, taking a first round guy. Yeah, okay. Most of the studs in the NFL were taken early. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Melvin Gordon, Alvin, well, not really Alvin Kamara, I guess. I mean, people act like he was a 7th, he was a 3rd round, it's not that late. First two days of the draft, I think, are relatively early. Not first round, but still. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. And then the other aspect of it is, first of all, what do you think about the injury history? Second of all, if we do draft somebody, what do we do with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, or Aaron Jones, legitimately? I mean, I suppose we could try to use him like Mike McCarthy did and limit him to 8, 9, 10 carries and then let Jamal and the new guy carry the rest of the weight. But what if new guy is a stud? What if we end up, you know, Joshua Jacobs, supposedly, and I haven't even looked at running backs yet, let's say he is a stud. Let's say we do take him at 30, which by the way, the way NFL Big Board has it right now, Joshua Jacobs is 29th, so he's sitting right at about 30. The next highest guy is 51, meaning end of the second. Then there's two of those guys, 51, 52, and then it drops to 73. From there, 81. So there's there's big drops, not a lot of running backs at all. So if the Packers are going to get one, you know, there's only really one right now that's considered early round. Two if you consider first and second, maybe three, four, five if you consider first three, like day one and two, like I said. But most of these running backs are day three or later. Now I'm curious. I need to take a minute. I'm, I'm completely out of time, but I just don't care anymore. Which, by the way, I apologize for these things getting out later. Um, there, there really isn't very much time for me to do this podcast. And with the new network thing, there's a couple extra steps. 
and it just takes that much longer and it's to the point where it's like all right i i just i can't finish it right now i'm gonna have to do this later i just can't so if this one also is late i'm already as you can well as i can see it's 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 pushing it so anyways that's tough because my thought coming into this prior was well we've got aaron jones he's our every down guy we've got jamal who's kind of the you know he's, he's sort of the relief back but he's also kind of the power back what i would like to get is sort of more of a receiving back maybe we can try to get aaron jones on the jug machine a little bit more and kind of do that kind of thing but it really is a tough question. And part of the reason it's so difficult, because we, we need depth either way. we got to get more depth. But the biggest problem is what if we draft somebody early, it's unnecessary because we have a very talented back in Aaron Jones. If we don't draft somebody early, and if we address it late or don't address it, we could be neglecting the position and a very important position with Matt LaFleur to where if something happens to Aaron Jones, I don't know that we have a very good running back left. Now, this could all be worth nothing anyways. If, if, if we improve our offensive line, if we really work on running the football, it, it could improve the run game either way. And beyond that, Jamal Williams might be good enough as it is. And then we really do need just depth. You know, we can get a guy in the fifth round. Maybe he's really good. Maybe he's not super good. It doesn't really matter. We'll get a couple free agents to fill out the backfill. And at the end of the day, we're going to run the ball a lot. And if we can get Jamal Williams to get us, you know, four, five, six yards, I don't mean per carry because that'd be ridiculous. But I mean, if we, if we can get him to the point where he's getting us four yards a carry, but also with some big explosive plays, just because that's, you know, the offensive line's doing a lot of work, the, the drilling and the understanding of the, you know, your responsibilities has really helped to improve the run game as a whole, then it's less about the running back and more about the system. So, but, it, you know, that's that's going to come down to Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst to figure that out. Do I, do, does Matt LaFleur's system need a stud running back? And if he doesn't necessarily need it, what, what does it do to this offense exponentially? Because let's say that everything I just said was true, but with a stud running back, it just goes to the billionth degree. In other words, it'll work with a Derrick Henry, but you'd rather it work with a, you know, I don't know, Melvin Gordon or something. Somebody that can really take advantage of what the offensive line is doing. As opposed to just getting what's there, it's a matter of, okay, well, I got you some space, what are you going to do with it? So I don't know, again, I, I legitimately would like to know your opinion. If you want to text, if you want to call, if you want to go in the Facebook group, hit me up on Twitter. However you feel like doing it, just let me know your opinion because I'd like to hear some other things. Because I'm looking to try to solidify my opinion. And maybe it'll just come down to the fact of, what does the board say? If there's a running back, do we take him? And the answer is essentially yes. We're not going to force it. We're not going to try to make it happen. But if it happens to happen, then great. The other thing to consider, we've got to look at free agents. Running backs are relatively cheap. It's entirely possible we get a decent free agent running back. And that just kind of solves this problem. Again, you're, you're probably not going to get a stud, which, oh man, I can already hear the screams for Le'Veon Bell. But Le'Veon Bell doesn't fix this problem. He wants too much money. And he also has an injury history like Aaron Jones. So you're just getting another Aaron Jones and you're paying way too much money for it. So no, I don't want Le'Veon Bell. Thank you very much. So a couple guys of interest. <clears throat> You've got, um, and of course, all of these guys could be re-signed, but a guy like Mark Ingram, I think could be pretty solid. You know, I'm, I'm setting aside injuries. I don't know everybody's injury history. I think Mark Ingram has a little bit of one, but I don't know the severity of it. Um, I think Latavius Murray could be a very, very good option. He's only 28 years old. I think he's one of those guys that's a talented running back that just never really gets his shot. Uh, Belial Powell, I mean, that would more or less just be kind of backfill. 
he would be number three on the team. He's just kind of a reliable plotter in case injuries become a problem, 30 years old, whatever. Same with Jonathan Stewart. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt is another one. Um, Spencer Ware is only 27 years old. I don't have any real insights as to how decent he could be. I don't think he's all that great, but the fact that he's 27 is kind of surprising. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers, TJ Yeldon, Doug Martin. Darren Sproles is 36, and I'm pretty sure he said he wanted to retire, but I could be wrong about that. Um, Frank Gore, 36, but it doesn't matter. He'll play till he's 90. I really do like Amir Abdullah, but that was back when I just wanted a receiving back. I don't think he's going to offer anything as a true running back. Adrian Peterson would be awesome just because it's Adrian Peterson. I don't know why. I shouldn't like Adrian. As much as I rail against people that do horrible things, I don't know why I like Adrian Peterson. I should probably stop (laughs) being such an Adrian Peterson supporter, but I don't know. Maybe it's because they took Favre and ended his career there. I'd kind of like Adrian Peterson to end his career here, just as kind of a ha-ha to them. I don't know if he'd be any good in this kind of a system because he's more or less, I mean, if, if you had more of a, a, you know, a power blocking scheme, in other words, here's your hole, hit it as hard as you can. I don't think he has as much elusiveness or, you know, twitch like he used to. Uh, Tevin Coleman with Atlanta, he's been a very effective guy, only 26 years old. C.J. Anderson showed quite a bit as far as uh, his abilities with the Rams. They're probably going to keep him, though. So there's there's a lot of options here. And a lot of these guys are not making a lot of money. Latavius isn't making the most of anybody at $5 million. That's not a lot of money. So maybe that's the way to go. It just kind of depends how you want to handle it. Again, lots of variables here. If you go free agency, you're probably not getting that true number one guy. You're not really taking a, a high. You know what you're getting, right? In the draft, there's always that possibility that maybe they're a stud. You know what you're getting with, with Lynch and Ingram and Powell and Stewart and Grant and Blunt and Ware and Jaquiz and all these guys. So if you're really just looking for somebody to kind of be a number two, number three guy to be reliable, in other words, I don't want a seventh-round guy that just isn't going to be able to do anything and is probably going to fumble every single time he touches the ball, but you don't need you know, a number one because Aaron Jones is your number one. You're just looking for people that can kind of come in and be the emergency guy in case somebody gets hurt, then maybe free agency is the way to go. So whatever, let me know what you think. I got to chew on that for a few more weeks, I guess, because I still don't have an answer. I'm leaning toward not drafting early. And by early, I basically just mean first round. I think maybe, maybe second round, but probably not based on some of the more serious needs. Um, Edge rusher, tight end, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, again, it, it just comes down to getting really good players. And if at 30, they take a running back, that basically means because he is the best guy available, and there's a very good chance he is a very good running back. And there's also a very good chance that we just got the number one running back in this entire draft class, so, you know, whatever. Lots of options, possibilities, whatever. As far as specifically to your question, I just want to touch on it very, very quickly because you asked. Um, I am going to be using, and I don't have this up on NFL Big Board, so I'm going to have to go through and add these reports, but um, the the resource that I use for NFL Big Board is... um, the draft network primarily as just sort of the default but um, the actual scouting reports that are going to be on the website are from mark jarvis if you're not following him on twitter you should Um, all of his content is at uh, what's on nfldraft.com he has a a published public um, excel thing that just has a ton of great content so that's where i'm looking right now it's a good quick little reference because he gives points just to kind of give you an idea of uh, where he's at with stuff and he breaks things down into categories, which is why I wanted to use his, because I like this version of scouting, because it, it takes each attribute for each position and gives specifics about it. Not just general, well, here's where he's good and here's where he's bad. So, for example, um, 
the 30 points, uh, you know, the thing that is out of 30 points, in other words, the most important attribute that he has here is ability to create yardage. He gave him 21 out of 30. Says he's more than adequate for the league. I'm um, just going to kind of very quickly touch on it. Uh, speed, 8 out of 15, so not great. He says good control over his pacing. Stop-start ability is a quality trait. Maintains momentum through changes of direction. Acceleration, not top-notch, but acceptable for the pro game. Power, surprisingly for a Holyfield, 3 out of 15. So the guy has no power, according to uh, Mr. Mark Jarvis. Says he plays smaller than listed, tends to disappear between the tackles, not a winner when meeting defenders in the hole, unable to impose himself at the contact point. Goes down on first contact rather than fighting forward for extra yardage. Vision, he gives him 13 out of 15, which is pretty incredible. He says uh, reactive ability meets uh, the expectation for the pro back, doesn't freeze up when a defender is bearing down, hits the hole with some vigor rather than second guessing it, fantastic at getting skinny to work his way through creases in the defense, master of manipulating small spaces. That actually reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. There have been highlights that I've seen on Twitter and just, you know, replays and whatnot where essentially it doesn't look like there's a hole and somehow he gets through it. Like, I've replayed it like a thousand times because it's basically a magic trick, and I swear he teleports. And I'm just trying to prove it scientifically that he teleports, and I'm not quite there yet, but I will prove that he is essentially cheating. And then I won't tell anyone because he's a Packer. Uh, Pass blocking and receiving out of 15 points, he gets 8, so kind of mid-grade, I guess. Hands catcher who sees the ball through the diamond, uses uh, uses a lead blocker in two-back sets, squares up well as a pass protector, puts his body in the line of fire for his quarterback, glides out of the backfield when he's acting in a checkdown, perfect type of back for catching passes and flats and turning them into big gains with yard after catchability, which makes sense when you have a guy that has really good vision. Says he needs some help with uh, footwork, not very experienced as a pass catcher, only seven career receptions to his name, so may need some seasoning. So that's sort of the overview for for him. The other thing that's awesome on these things that I need to start adding to the the reports is not only does he give comps, but he gives low, medium, and high comps, which is the greatest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. So first of all, 21 years old, 5'10", 215 pounds. His low-end comp is Andre Ellington. His mid-range comp is Ronald Jones, who was pretty horrible with Tampa, but was a second-round pick, so kind of take it for what it's worth. And then his high-end value is Dalvin Cook. So... That's sort of the summary right there. That's the kind of player, smaller, quicker, elusive type of guy. At best, he's Dalvin Cook. At worst, he's Andre Ellington. So pretty fantastic stuff. Be sure to check out Mark Jarvis, absolutely, and a lot of the work he's doing. I'm very hopeful to get him on this podcast as well as my draft podcast. Um, As a matter of fact, he's just going through his running backs. Maybe this would be a good time to get him on since I'm having sort of an identity crisis here with (laughs) what to do with our running backs. Um, maybe I'll reach out to him, see if he'll, he'll come on here in the near future and, uh, give us a rundown of some of the running back options that we've got. Anyways, I, I do want to touch on one other thing, but I am just completely out of time. We're at about 45 minutes. So I think we're going to leave it at that. Uh, we'll touch on the other thing tomorrow. And I think, which I should not even just say things because every time I say things, I don't end up doing it. And then it was a waste of me saying it. Oh, one other thing I forgot to do uh, several, several weeks ago, I put together that, spreadsheet that I put on Patreon for guys that wanted to give uh, money to my Patreon. I did the offensive side of it, breaking down, you know, wide receiver one compared to other wide receiver ones, wide receiver two, blah, 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 blah. I never did defense and I completely forgot I never did defense. So I want to work on that and then get that up for my uh, patrons. So if, if, if uh, anyone's interested in seeing that, it's for anyone on Patreon that's giving $5 a month or more. Um, I'm also going to be updating the big board probably today, 
And another thing, another perk for my patrons is they get to see the full breakdown and the full report. I don't, I do omit the actual sites just because I don't really, I don't know, I feel weird about that. But you get to see the full list, meaning over a thousand total prospects. Yes, I know I have to go to work. Just give me one second. I got some stuff to say, all right? Get out of my face. You get to see the over a thousand total prospects and you get to see every single grade that they get. So not just here's their average. And there's a new wrinkle I'm adding thanks to uh, somebody on Twitter. I forget your name, but shout out to you for being awesome. You know what? I got to look it up. Mr. Tim. Not going to say his last name because that's weird, but Mr. Tim, thank you very much for the uh, idea because it's awesome. The other wrinkle I'm going to be adding to NFL Big Board in the latest update, assuming it fits because I'm running out of space, is going to be you got the average grade, but you also have high-low. So you can see their highest grade, which I've, I struggle with that terminology because high would be the lowest number. So I think high is actually going to be high and low is going to be low. So it'll just be low first, the, the lowest thing, and then I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but I don't care. But anyways, you not only get that with the full access to the big board when I, on Patreon, but you can see every single grade. And I do get that question a lot, like, why is this person here? And then I got to go through and be like, well, because this is what they're graded. They get this and this and this and this and this. You get to see all that stuff. So if something doesn't make sense, you can kind of check it out. And, and sometimes people are rated a little bit too high or too low, and you can kind of look at it and see, well, it's because this one site just really hates them, and they have them graded. Like, literally, one of the guys is graded, like, 14th, but most people have them at or above 14, but there's one site. I think it's uh, Cody Ford. Draft Tech has them at, like, 104th. I'm guessing they're going to raise that at some point, but right now they have them, like, their 104th prospect. Overall, I, th I don't think he's 14th, but he's pretty close to that. If they even put him at 20, he's going to shoot up the boards. But stuff like that really does hurt people's averages. But you get to see the high-low as well as the full breakdown of why people are the way they are. And it'll also help you with your mock drafts because if you really like somebody, you get to look and say, well, hey, look, there's four or five sites that all say he's above this out or the other. I'm going to pick him. I don't care. Anyways, I think that's it. Those are the things that are happening. I want to get that stuff done. What, I, what was the main thing I was just going to say, though? That, that entire spiel was like a, a rabbit hole that I chased. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm probably not doing it anyways. Whatever. Weird day. You folks enjoy your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good Friday. Bye-bye.